What do you think of when you're preparing your perfect investigation party to tackle the mythos? Is it a fighter, a rogue, a plucky survivor, a spellcaster, a combination of all four, or is it perhaps all of the seekers in one party? Hello, I'm your host Frank, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hello, Peter. How are you? Uh, Great, great. Far better than last week was, you know, it was just awful last week, but this week (laughs) things are looking up no end. That's good because a huge storm cloud has come over in London now. So oh, ominous. Yeah, at least one of us is looking up. Yeah, my clumsy intro listener, this is an all yellow all the time episode. Look for the hashtag all yellow all the time on all social media channels, I think. I, I don't know too much about it, but I'll tell you the thrust of it. We many months ago did an all purple all the time challenge at the point that we did this exercise. There were four mystics around and four content creators mythos busters us whisper in darkness and arkham chronicle each designed a deck to play in that party of four mystics now there are five seekers around soon to be six when the circle undone comes out and we're doing a similar thing where we're building seeker decks in isolation to work together in a party did i get that mostly summed up correctly that's my understanding yeah yeah so what we're going to try and look like look at is the investigator we've got, uh, we selected, what makes them different, what makes them stand out from the other seekers in particular, and what they can maybe do that the other ones can't. And the challenge this time is we don't know the other three seekers that we'd end up with. Because there's more than four now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas when we did all, mi- all purple all the time, we could go, right, well, Agnes is probably going to be fighting, and Marie will probably be cluing, so how do we fit into that? With this... We don't know if it will be Daisy, Norman, Ursula and Min or Rex will be in the mix or how it will be shaken up. We might we might be sitting on the sidelines. We might need to make a very relaxed deck that doesn't get played. Who knows? So yeah, so the, the, the exercise is all seeker investigators and yeah, how do we fit into that? Just just to reassure everyone who's listening, we are going to make a deck that you can play. You, you said yeah, we sorry, might end sorry, up not yeah. being selected. That's not going to be a fun deck yeah. building episode. Here's a deck that's not intended to be played. <laughs> do you not ever? Do you, you you don't do that, Peter? You I mean, I make do, decks, like, but there's always yeah, with half yeah. a mind towards how would this actually play. <laughs> be, yeah, that is why I don't suggest to listeners to recommend me decks to play on Think on Your Feet in case there's a troll listener out there who sends me a dreadful deck with like a surprise problem in it. Anyway, that's by the by. <laughs> so if you want to check out the the other all yellow all the time decks. Mythos Busters are doing or have done an episode. Whisper in Darkness is doing or has done an episode. Twisted Tentacle Inn has already done an episode. Go and check them out. I think there's a couple of other people and Arkham Chronicle is the hub for finding them. So if you go on YouTube and search for Arkham Chronicle, you can find all of the links and you can check out these different decks. It's a way of finding other people who are talking about and passionate about hopefully your favourite game. Right, Peter, which investigator have we been given? Well, it's it's one that um, neither of us have played at all, really. Oh, man, okay. It is... Man, I'd, I'd totally forgotten about it. Uh, so we go right the way back to the core set, and we look at Daisy Walker, the librarian. Wow. Daisy. Daisy Walker. Yeah. Oh, unfamiliar name. She's a seeker, you say? Yeah. I don't remember her. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. We're going to assume everyone knows how Daisy works, mm-hmm. uh, knows what her cards are, if you don't... We, we've done a Daisy episode, right? Yeah, we've done a Daisy episode. Yeah, we did that ages ago. Go, go and listen to that yeah. if, you've, if you don't know what Daisy is. Uh, it's it a was great just, episode, Wasn't it probably. just an hour of you crying tears of joy at how good Daisy is? <laughs> She's yeah. great. She's great. Yeah. yeah. She gets a free action to use tomes, Frank. It's, it's mm-hmm. just... Yeah, it's she something. does. Right. How are we going to do this, Frank? <laughs> so what we've done is we have a list that we're putting in the description of this episode. We thought that because now the card pool is as large as it is, and it's worth noting that Circle Undone cards are not valid for this challenge, but because the card pool is so large, it would be too tricky to do the deck build live on air because it would be a case of us going card by card through a lot of different cards. So instead what we've done is we've already got a list. By all means, open it now, have a look. And we're going to talk about how we came to that list, sort of what the 
first questions we had around it were what the how we fleshed it out and then and then any other sort of you know spicy choices in there and hopefully that'll explain how we think about Daisy where we see her fitting in within the seeker party what sort of points of difference she has really right yes yeah and it's worth saying the list we've got at the moment that's a draft list that we put together well fairly briefly or fairly quickly before the cast with the intention of going through it in some more detail and then maybe tweaking some bits here and there you know, we've Frank and I have got different levels of experience with different investigators, different seekers. So uh, it will be interesting to see what we both bring <laughs> to the discussion about seekers. That was such a good, like, pregnant pause before you said interesting. I've got to say it was... So that everyone could get drinks in their hands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 50% me trying to think of another word and 50%, yeah. well, this is a good dramatic pause. I'll just roll with it. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. It was good. And also, it's, it's, I should just say as well, you can, you can cut this bit out, Frank, in the future, but you did this deck. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been saying we did it, but you did it. No, that's fine. So that's fine. If you love this deck, all the kudos to Peter. And if you hate the deck, you can send all your insults yeah. to me for not being more of a moderating <laughs> influence. Oh, you. Right. Okay, should we dive in then? Yeah, let's dive in. So, broadly, there's there's two things I think are important to talk about here. First of all, mm-hmm. what can we? What's a core Daisy engine that will keep her going mm-hmm. and and be efficient and help her contribute to the party? And secondly, yep. what can she do that the other seekers can't do, if yep. if anything? Uh, and how do we build that into the deck to accentuate that strength mm. or that yeah, that, so that it, diversity rather? Yeah, leaning into the difference. It's worth remembering her deck building options are all of the Seeker cards and then Mystic level 0 to 2 and all of the neutral cards. Yes. So she's at the classic 5-2 split that we know and love. So there's a couple of things I went to straight away, which mm-hmm. is Old Book of Law. Uh, and yes. you know we've got some other tomes potentially coming in the next cycle. Yeah. Uh, which look exciting, but we can't touch those at the moment. So Old Book of Law, I think, is just a great standby for Daisy and helps her get set up. Yeah. Uh, and obviously it can be used on other investigators at your location as well. So that helps the rest of our team get set up as well. Uh, a bit of filter draw is always good. Yeah, so I think that, that's a relatively no-brainer. And on top of that, Research Librarian is always good to find that Old Book of Law if you don't start the game with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People talk about Old Book of Law as... Daisy's real signature, and if you've ever played as Daisy and got your free tome action every single turn because you've had Old Book of Law in your opening hand, you will see why people talk about that. It's incredibly powerful. And you mentioned Research Librarian there, so one of the big questions around this in terms of how we interact with the other Seekers is allies, because there are a few different unique allies available, and the big question is to Milan or not to Milan? Well, quite, yeah, and it's, I've got a feeling everyone's going to be too polite to take him and we'll end up with, with six Seeker decks, none of which have Milan in. But I think for what it's worth, I would pick Milan in Rex because mm. he's the most directly investigative of all of the decks. Yeah, yeah. And the Rex higher ed, churning all of your resources into really high investigate scores so that Doubling you get many clues. clues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, and and this, this also gives me a bit of a steer that, you know, with five people with good intellect, you know, we, we don't need to build into putting all those extra tricks for investigating into the deck. Mm. Uh, there's actually, there was a card choice we'll come to in a bit, which, which gave me pause here, because there's a good card, but does it conflict too much with what we're already really good at? Okay, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So then there's other options. There's there's Charles Ross, but we're probably not playing that many item assets as a group. No. And Charles really feeds off having lots of resources, which I don't know if we'll necessarily have. Dr. Ellie? Yeah, I didn't pick Dr. Ellie. I think there's, just for theme purposes, it could be that Ursula is picking Dr. Ellie because as Ursula Mm -hmm. levels up, she can start to pick some powerful relics. So she can pick, you know, the, the hemispheric map or the, the golden pocket watch or whatever mm, she wants. Yeah, that's a relics. nice fit. Yeah. So so even if we've only got the tooth in to begin with, then you still might want to have Ellie in there to help seek the tooth up because the tooth is good. And after the first game, you'll start to pick up more relics in, in her anyway. So yeah, discounted Dr. Ellie. So that leaves maybe Malison, another doctor? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to prolong things as long as possible. Yeah, I know Peter. you are. Yeah. Uh, lis- <laughs> listeners can probably guess which non-seeker ally Peter really wants to include in this deck. So I was just trying to explore the field. It's not Alyssa Graham either. It's not. No, go on, Peter. It, it is David Renfield. So it's not just because I love David. I love the style that he works in. I think I like that risk reward feeling of of seeing how far you can push things before it ticks over. Mm-hmm. There's a few other reasons I think he's a good fit for this deck. First of all, he's got two physical soak. Yeah. So he's Daisy is particularly fragile. Uh, I'm trying to think if she's got the lowest health of all of them. She, she has. She, yeah. I think yeah, about, she has. She does, doesn't she? What's what's yep. um is Norman eight six or, or well six eight. Uh, six, eight. six eight yeah, yeah. six eight. So yeah Rex is six nine and yes. then the other two are seven seven. Yeah. So David helps there. He's an economy engine, which is nice because we don't have Milan, who's normally a really reliable source of income. Mm-hmm. I did put emergency cash in as well. Um but you know, I think with Renfield possibly you can do without that. You want money to go into higher education when you buy that. Mm, yeah, and also he gives you a bonus to your willpower. And of all the investigators, Daisy probably needs that the most. She's a only a willpower three, so she's not huge, and she has some access to Mystic. And if she wants to start using spells, she'll want to boost her willpower. So yes. getting up to four with a Doom on David is very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think he he's a good choice for the deck. Uh, we just have to be careful when we're using him. You know that we don't we don't don't end things prematurely and what i haven't done except for research librarian is put in any other ways to get rid of him mm, so you'll just yeah. have to try and take some horror if things are getting a bit dicey you know we could maybe lean more into an academic army style and put in yeah. some research assistants might be good or art students and then you'd also want mm-hmm. to include something like calling in favors yeah yeah that's a possibility could isn't be, it could be done uh, the easiest way to do it is probably just to overwrite him with a research librarian I suppose you're already getting the card draw from the old book of law and you don't necessarily need the sort of the economy discount from calling in favors because Renfield and, and the research librarian are both very cheap. Yeah. So yeah, there's maybe there's maybe not too much need for that. What you could do, I guess, um, is maybe turn your emergency cash into forbidden knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is potentially a bit risky, but you've got a lot of sanity soak across the team, so and obviously Daisy's got nine plus disposable allies, mm-hmm. so you know yeah. I think that could work fine. Yeah. Yeah. So so that was I guess that's is that the core really? I mean, how how far down this do we want how far down this rabbit hole do you want to go? I think Old Book of Law Research Librarian are definitely the core, and then you filled that out with an ally choice, David Renfield. And then there are some looking over to events and skills. There are some of the kind of the classics there. There's deduction in there. There's guts because we want to boost willpower. There's shortcut and I've got a plan. I think they're probably the two most popular seeker events. Yeah, I don't think there's there's a particularly compelling reason not to take shortcut, to be honest. Um, It's always good to be able to move around the place, especially a seeker where you might get an enemy you can't deal with by yourself. Being able to move away Mm -hmm. helps. I also went with Ward of Protection. Yeah, there's there's quite a bit of encounter management across the team. So Norman could also take Ward of Protection, but remember, yeah, Mar- uh, Norman's always going to be limited by the n- number of level zero Mystic cards he can take. Mm. He might even be holding on to get Ward of Protection level two and not be taking the level yeah. zero version yeah. as a result. Yeah, we can of course go into Forewarned as we as we level up. Mm. Yeah, as the Seeker party levels up, they could all be taking two copies of Forewarned and it could become a really sort of aggressive cancellation <laughs> style team. Yeah. With everyone cancelling things. A couple of uh, Test of Wills as well in Min. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the other card that the event card I just want to talk about was Delve Too Deep. Mm. So I debated this. My logic was Norman probably doesn't want to take Delve Too Deep. Mm-hmm. but it would be good to have some experience enhancing cards because a lot of seekers want that early jump start of experience to grab cards yeah. like say charisma or higher education or to start upgrading spells mm-hmm. if you're if you're norman and mm-hmm. there's yeah. limited access to that in the team so where daisy can take it i thought she should yes 
I'm inclined to agree with you there. The The other challenge is that Seekers might not be able to kill all the VP enemies. You don't have a dedicated Seeker who can really tear down enemies with ease, although I've got a plan obviously will help with that. So being able to just pick up a couple more points of XP from Delves, which will almost certainly draw into with Old Book of Law, mean that those times where, say, you've killed one of two Yidian observers or you've killed you know, a couple of the, the VP enemies, but not all of them in an encounter deck, you're, you don't mind finishing off a scenario because you've also delved. So I think that's very valid. Yeah, very good. The card that s- sort of competed for my attention in this slot was Drawn to the Flame. Okay. Hmm. What does that do? It's interesting, actually. If, if you think back, you probably didn't play it. What it does is you play it and you draw an encounter card and it lets you find two clues in your location. Okay. Even in a five intellect Regardless. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, it's nice to be able to pull clues off a location automatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I say, pe- that card's a bit obscure. People probably haven't heard of it. But, you know, it's nice to give yeah. it an airing every so often. Okay. Um, yeah. But maybe my logic was, obviously, we're in a team with lots of investigators. So there's probably you just find the clues with your intellect. <laughs> it, it's It's nice, yeah. I guess... But from a locked door, or if there's an enemy at a location, or something like that, or there's other reasons mm-hmm. you can't investigate somewhere, the own library. There's loads of reasons why you might not want to directly investigate, and it gives us, you know, some some play there. But I think maybe in a team of investigators, we can manage that. We have the deductions at least as well. Yes, I mean, I mean, one of the challenges in four player seeker will be just getting clues efficiently enough that you've got the spare actions for all of the kind of enemy management and. And things like that. Because I can imagine a Seeker team could get really bogged down trying to fight its way out of a problem where they can't really do it. So, yeah, being efficient with the clue getting so that it's really not a problem that gives them a bit more leeway with enemies. Yeah. I think that's, that was all sort of straightforward to get to this point. That the, yeah. There's a couple of things which there's a bit more play in. Uh, and I'll be, <laughs> I appreciate your input here. Yeah, can I jump on one first? You mentioned delve too deep and the kind of this, the experience jumpstart that seekers require, and one of those jumpstarts is around the side quest cards. So, strange solution, ancient stones, and archaic glyphs. Well, this was going to be one of the things I, I brought up. Yeah, I thought so. I thought I was being a good host to oh, move okay. us naturally to that point. Yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> and I see that you've included the glyphs. One of the things I think I saw in Arkham Chronicles' introductory video about this was that you could you could almost have one investigator who took all of them, apart from the stones, which obviously need XP, but then was just busy solving those challenges so that then all of the investigators gained access to them. Yes. I, I don't think that's the most efficient in terms of XP, no. because obviously then the other investigators would have to sub back in the level zero ones before they can upgrade. Yes. But... There's definitely something to be said for knowing who's going to be doing which option and why. And you've gone with Archaic Glyphs, which I really like in Daisy in particular because it's a tome. Yes, exactly. It's a free action. So we can search for it with the research librarian if we get the old book of law. That speeds up the translation and mm-hmm. she gets a free action. If 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 you if you're set up, you know, you might not have that action. You might not need that action to use old book of law. So you can just start pitching some cards to the archaic glyphs. And it's not wasted actions if you're not doing anything else with it because you get five resources at the end of it. So I think it's 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 the best fit at level zero for Daisy. And I really like the upgraded versions as well. Both of them. What we'll come to this in a second, but I, I've picked a particular mm-hmm. spell for the deck. This is maybe the the most crucial bit of differentiation we can make because we could take daisy in a few different directions with the spell mm-hmm. uh, i'm talking about like a spell asset at this point uh, so should we run through those quickly and we'll see what we think yeah sure so first up and we can maybe discount this is right of seeking <laughs> yeah i wouldn't be a huge fan of taking right of seeking in daisy it is clear acceleration mm-hmm but it's four cost, and it's then working off her willpower, which is three, compared to her intellect, which is five. And I'd yep. be hard pushed to see it as being more efficient to do that than it would be just to find clues by investigating. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so let's put right seeking off to one side for the moment. The other two key ones to me are shriveling and the mists. 
Uh, what are your two th- thoughts on the choice between those? You know what I've picked. Uh, what, what do you yeah. think? My my first instinct would be that we could go spell-slinging Daisy, and particularly with the Renfield boost, there's so little damage output in Seeker that piling in some shriveling would be no bad thing. Maybe even a Storm of Spirits, just sort of leaning heavily into what little damage we can do. That would be my first yeah, I, place I, to go to. I, I think that that's valid. What I went with was the Mists. Mm-hmm. My experience of Daisy would be that you're, boost, especially early on, boosting your willpower high enough to reliably shrivel is difficult. Mm, yeah. And those charges on shriveling disappear very quickly. Mm-hmm. You'll be like using charges on rats and stuff like that, um, which is a terrible feeling <laughs> unless you've got an inquiring yes. mind to hand. Yeah. yeah. Those charges will go really, really quickly. And, you know, a couple of. If we're in a situation, for example, where we have two, three health enemies that Daisy has to deal with, she needs to land all of those, and that's all of the charges, to mm-hmm. kill those two enemies. If we go yeah. with the mists, assuming the enemies aren't chasing her, she gets far. She, she can deal with four enemies rather than just the two, and it's irrespective of their health. That's mm-hmm. sort yeah. of my logic. Okay, so you can, and it's a good logic. You yeah. can evade the enemy, yeah. and you can move away. Uh, and you can do that more times than you could fighting the enemies because typically you'll use it more than one charge fighting. That's that that, that that that's kind of my logic. I think that's completely reasonable. I think knowing you know, that's then down to the deck pilot as well, knowing that that's their option. Yeah. I think people might look at the list and go, "Well, why didn't you run shriveling?" But you've also put, for instance, delve in there because that's the whole point. You're not going to kill enemies. You're going to delve and get the XP that yeah. way. If you were to go with shriveling, one option would be to to swap Mist for shriveling, and then maybe to sneak in Enraptured, yeah. which yeah, 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 I like is that. is an intellect icon and adds a charge or a secret to an asset you control, so that could help with the glyphs in a pinch or charge up whatever spell you're running. Yeah. I actually think in just having chat to you, Frank, what might be better in this deck than than what I put would be a Storm of Spirits to complement the Mists. I think mists and storm complement each other quite well because okay, you know yeah, you can keep keep nice. on evading enemies until there's a stack of them, mm. and then unleash a storm of spirits to to get rid of a bunch of ones. So that could be that you could sub that in, cut mm. something else out. There's probably a few cards I can cut out of this deck. Well, and you have conclu- included two copies of Arcane Studies, which I think is actually a really good pick for this deck, where you're not necessarily sure what your role will be. But if it turns out that the other Seekers are really weak on enemy management, using your spare resources from Renfield to really land those evades or to land the Storm of Spirits, if that's the way you, you went, would become really important, I think. Yeah, and, yeah. It, it, yeah. To be honest... Having, I, having a way of spending excess resources is a very good idea. Yeah. Arcane Studies is, is a good placeholder for something like, well, higher education, when you can afford that. Mm. Yeah. And then you'd probably find that, you know, something else could go in there instead. I quite like the idea of um, Protective Incantation, if you can get a good Renfield engine up and running. Uh, because you, you, mm. there's, you'll likely have spare arcane slots if you're only using a single mist at a time. So that could sit yeah. in there and then help the whole team, maybe. It'll be really interesting to see who does Norman and what direction they go, because I've recently been playing a seal Norman, where I've run Milan as my ally and slewed all of my investigative resources into Protective Incantation, Seal of the Seventh Sign, a Chthonian Stone, basically used the mystic portion of his deck around locking down the bag for everyone and really enjoyed doing it. Uh, I don't know if Norman would go that way. He's he's quite versatile as an investigator, but um, yeah, that could be an option. So there's a couple of other cards, which uh, here's, here's a question for you. <laughs> Do we want to take an accessory? Hmm. You've included a one-off St. Hubert's Key. Yeah, I think... Sh- and a one-off Painkillers, yeah. I think... Which is, a, I imagine, a way of... Using up the spare to the last... Killing Renfield. Yeah. Yeah, Painkillers is certainly a way of killing Renfield, yeah. Hubert's Key, though. Yeah. This 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 is a prickly choice. I think maybe this should be a two-off. I've only put one in. Mm-hmm. I like to have some way of... Uh, I've got Renfield, which boosts willpower. I like to have plenty of ways to boost willpower if we're taking mists. Yeah. The Holy Rosary is a... Is a Daisy go-to, isn't it? That's right, yeah. It does have Horror Soak on it, which Daisy doesn't need that much, and it's much cheaper than Hubert's Key. But it does boost both our intellect and our willpower. 
However, the major disadvantage is that it's unique. <laughs> Do you think that Norman would take Hubert's key? I can only speak for myself and say that I've run Hubert's key a lot of times in Norman because it takes his stat line up to five willpower and six intellect, I think. Is that right? Is he a four, five, uh, two, one? Yes, yeah, I think that's yes. right. So it gets him a point higher in the willpower stakes. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you don't really need to boost anything with him. But I mean, if you play Hubertsky here, you're then at six intellect. Yeah. And you can investigate very happily then without feeling the need to commit any cards. Yeah, yeah. To that, you know, you're you're four up on a two shroud, three up on a three shroud. It's really powerful at that point. So I can see it's its strength here in Daisy. Maybe it would be a case of where if we saw our party and there was a clash, yeah. this would be an easy swap to Holy Rosary and then there's no clash. If there was no option to check beforehand, I'd probably go with the Rosary. Because okay, yeah. Because uh, Norman almost certainly isn't taking the Rosary, I would imagine. Mm. Yeah. And no one else is going to take it either because no one else wants that willpower boost. Unless someone's doing a yeah. really left-field Rex deck. Yeah, yeah. Too shriveling, too rosary, yeah, higher end. <laughs> and right seeking. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the only other accessory is um, Tooth of Edsley, right? Yeah. And that's not unique, so. And I think that's better in other investigators. Yeah, it's probably the Ellie Ursula. Yeah. I think thing. It's certainly it would. I'd want that in either Rex or Ursula, so we'll let two other people argue about which one. <laughs> good, good, yeah. Our agility is already... Uh, I mean, yeah. Our agility is low enough that it's not going to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose around the sort of accessory thing, it's uh, it's contestable, but it's probably not the end of the world either way. Yeah. I've also put painkillers in because I think painkillers is good. Mm -hmm. With only five health and yeah. nine sanity, it's the obvious place for painkillers to go. Yes. Yeah. If you've taken damage and we might take damage if we're all seekers and there's no one to sort of soak it up it's useful then and yeah it can kill off renfield in a pinch which is good if you've already taken some damage yeah it's good any reason why you've run guts and not unexpected courage um not really no um i like the card draw yeah. unexpected courage might might be a bit better if we're if if we're all the same class We've got Old Book of Law and we've got Research Librarian, so maybe the card draw is less important. So Unexpected Courage mm. gives us a bit of buffering with so many investigators. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. so many investigators of the same class. A bit of variety yeah. there. So that could be a good call. Yeah, that that's a small, small option. It's another card to pitch to Archaic Glyphs as well. Yes, and speaking of the glyphs, I'm glad you mentioned that. The other possible option is a single Truth from Fiction to help with the glyphs. And that would be a double intellect icon as well. But the glyphs upgrade into charges, don't they, rather than the secrets. So I don't think the long-term truth from fiction is as useful, given that we're not doing ancient stones. No, no, you're right. I, and I think I think there is a truth from fiction deck somewhere out there, um, but it's not this one at the moment. It's probably one that wants yeah. to be running uh, in the know and things as well. Mm, yes, maybe it's sort of more of a min. I think it's probably a min deck. Yeah. So that's a question for another time. Question for another time. Okay, that's great. I think I think the the spine of the deck is really strong, and I think we've highlighted some of the areas that you've sort of thought about and questioned, which I think is very good. And hopefully, it means for listeners who wanted to pick up this deck, they also know what are the cards that are sort of locked in and the cards that they could maybe experiment with or things like that. I mean, maybe if the deck runs really rich, I would drop the two cash for two enraptured. And that gives you even more longevity on the mists, and they're a card that you can feed to archaic glyphs if you don't need it. Yeah, that that that's certainly a possibility. Yes, um, I'm not sure it will mm -hmm. run that rich. To be perfectly honest with you, you've got to find Renfield, get him down, and you might have scenarios where you can't use him that much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to treat Renfield as like a zero cost rosary. Yeah. That he pays back himself. But after that, you have to get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, of course, he makes you endless money. Yes. Yeah. I'm thinking of those times. <laughs> so having actually having an economy card that's quite flexible could do other stuff would be good in that deck, I think, in this deck. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's the case as well that if you end up running Rosary, you have no four cost cards in your deck. Yeah. 
So the debt then is quite cheap and either you're then spending all of your spare resources on higher ed or you upgrade out your emergency caches and put something else in their stead to cryptic research or something like that. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly, yes. Yeah. What else would you upgrade in this deck apart from adding cryptic research, which should go in all secret decks? Uh, well, the obvious upgrade, I think this is going to be the case for everyone, would be higher education because mm-hmm. better stats are better. Yeah. Um, what else... I mean, it's difficult because Daisy obviously can't upgrade her spells that much. Mm, yeah. Level 2 water protection is always nice. Uh, level 2 deduction yeah. is always nice. Um, yeah. Some of the upgraded tomes might work out well. Yeah. Encyclopedia might be useful if you've got, uh, if you're all stacked a certain way in your stats, being able to boost someone else's combat or agility might be really useful. Now, here's the thing. If you did run a singleton truth from fiction, you could also then upgrade into Panarchotic Manuscripts, which runs secrets and is bonkers strong. Yeah, you could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go into a more cancellation style, you know, just ignoring the bag a little bit more. That could be very, very powerful. And if you're running rich, running rich protective incantation, I think is is not bad at all. Um, If you can exploit that extra arcane slot in Daisy. Mm, Yeah. Probably 6 XP on glyphs as well, if you've done that, obviously. Yes, yeah. I mean, actually, one of the cards you could take is Shrewd Analysis. And in fact, well, I mean, yes. there's no reason not to take Shrewd Analysis because it's it's optional. But the glyphs, I think, is probably the the version that most benefits. I think both of them are usually pretty good. I might mm-hmm. lean towards, if we're doing a more evade build, especially if we put Storm of Spirits in as well, the evasion yeah. version of that might be good. yeah. Prophecy foretold. Yeah, yeah. Because someone else will be grabbing all the clues anyway. So <laughs> Yeah, there's less pressure on us as the as a seeker to get all the clues. So we don't need to necessarily go directly down that line. As long as we're picking up our share of clues, that's fine. Yeah. And then yeah, having other tricks to evade will be really useful. And then of course you could do the did you mention this already? The crazy Book of Shadows tome play. Yeah, yeah. Um the it's a tome, you get the action for free and spend the resources. I think it works better with Milan, where you're earning lots of resources. Exactly, yes. probably works better with Shriveling as well, but still fun to do. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And Defiance level two. <laughs> Just throwing out all of Peter's favourites here. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Oh, that's an idea for a deck. I've just had an idea for a deck. We'll talk about that later. Go on. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. fine, it's fine. Cool. Yeah. I'm just thinking, could you do the... Book of Shadows. Oh no, but you don't get the free action if you're not Daisy. Mm-hmm, you could yeah. do a, a Milan. No, that's is that gonna work? A Milan gym deck. So you get the resources from using Rite of Seeking, but you use the Book of Shadows to recharge Rite of Seeking. Mm-hmm. So you do charge Rite of Seeking, investigate with Rite Rite of Seeking, free resource for the next turn to recharge Rite of Seeking. Is that an awful deck? Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. It's it's fine, but you could just. There's so many ways of getting the charges yeah. on that are more efficient. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you a good deck. Then listen to this. It's a no spell gym deck yeah. that runs Dark Horse and Fire Axe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just loves that. that yeah, see, willpower can... boost for no reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a deck I didn't build. Definitely not. <laughs> cool. <laughs> hey, there've been Stranger Things. There's been a Dark Horse Jenny. That's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I suppose with Milan, Jim, you like you've got so many other ways of getting charges with recharge. Maybe sacrificing one right to be able to pay for the next one. I mean, you'd just be better off putting in yeah. like Renfield for money and then in- mm-hmm. clearing them off every yeah. few turns. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, right. Forget mm-hmm. I said anything about, about anyway, Jim. I'm keeping all of this in. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Daisy Jim Walker. Yeah. Uh, listener. Let us know what you think of this. Go and check out all of the other all yellow all the time entries and decks. Let us know which one you love. Tell us how we could improve this deck or what you would change. We'd love to hear about it. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Twitter and on Facebook. And we're also on Patreon. We're www.patreon.com forward slash drawn to the flame. We're fast approaching 100 patrons. So thanks so much for that. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I'm United everywhere. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. So I'm on Twitter. I'm on the Reddit. I'm on Discord. So say hello if you see me. How about you, Frank? 
I'm FB on Twitter. That's EPH underscore BEE. And I'm Zooey Glass on Discord and I think Zozo on Arkham DB. Brilliant. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Cheers. Hey, just when you thought it was over, there's a little bit more from me. Um, But it's just me. It's just Frank. And this is a little surprise bonus thing that I wanted to attach to the end of this episode, which I really hope you've enjoyed. Because last week we got Return to the Dunwich Legacy, and I decided that I wouldn't do a first look for the first time since Essex County Express Mythos Pack. So I've basically done, done two whole cycles and nearly all of Dunwich as well, just two packs that I didn't do at Dunwich, the Deluxe and the first Mythos pack. And then I got really into first looking. Uh, but this time around, I thought, wow, maybe I don't have time or there's the Circle Undone coming up. We've got a pretty busy release schedule for what we want to do, so I won't do an episode. And I even t- told the patrons as much. I announced them, I'm really sorry, I won't be doing a return to Dunwich first look. Everyone knows the cards already. They've been in the wild for so long. Who would care about my takes and generally who would care anyway? But then I've sat on that idea for a little while. It's a week later now since the pack's been out. I looked at the cards and I thought, these are really good cards. They're really cool. And they suggest some really interesting things about how Matt Newman and the other designers that he's had working on Dunwich with him can revisit player cards and sort of revivify them. So I actually did want to do a first look, but this is really a second look. So this is Frank's second look. doesn't have the same alliterative twist to it, but I thought I'd share it all the same because why not? You know, let's let's have a look at these cards and have a, a moment to reflect on them. And if it prompts something in you that you want to let us know about, brilliant, you know? Okay, so the first card is Bandolier. This is a two-cost, two-XP item asset. It's got willpower and combat icons, so it's gained a willpower icon. You have two additional hand slots, which can only be used to hold weapon assets. While you have weapon assets held in two or more hand slots, you get plus one willpower. It can soak one health, and it takes the body slot. So what they've added is that icon, the extra slot, so you get essentially four hands while you have this bandolier, but also when you have two weapons out, or, well, weapon assets filling two hands, you get an extra willpower boost as well. It reminds me weirdly of Brother Xavier and that feeling of, but why would you need willpower in Guardian? And then remembering that actually Guardian, one of the ways that it gets defeated is that it doesn't have enough willpower to survive treacheries and one's sanity ends up dribbling out of one's ears. So having a way of boosting willpower is really nice. I think more generally about this card... It's just a really nice upgrade to Bandolier to make Bandolier even more useful in those decks. I don't always run Bandolier and Guardian because sometimes I'm very specific about the weaponry I'm going to take. Or maybe I'm only going to take a two-handed weapon and not worry about making room for machete or other slots. Because at that point, if you're taking a two-handed weapon and a machete and a Bandolier, deck deck space is tight. It's always been a question of deck space to fit that in. With this... You're investing in that deck slot in the bandolier, but you're getting so much more of a return for it because as soon as you start to fill out your hands with the 45 and a machete or whatever two-handed weapon you're using in a machete, well, even just the two-handed weapon, I keep getting that confused. As soon as two of your hands are weapons, even if you then only use one of the extra two hand slots for a magnifying glass, say, or a flashlight, you're still also getting this passive boost. It's really nice. It's really good. And like... I just love how it sort of fills out that slot. If you're going to be the main damage dealer with a big weapon, this leads into that completely. So it's really good. And the next card, this is one of the cards that convinced me that I should do a second look. This is Blackjack, level two. It's two cost. It's got combat and agility icons now. It's item, weapon, and melee traded, and it takes up a hand slot. So this could be one of those weapons. It has an action fight. You get plus two combat for this attack. If you perform this attack against an enemy engaged with another investigator, you deal plus one damage for this attack if you succeed, and no damage if you fail. This 
really knocked me for six. This has taken one of the least played cards ever in the history of the game and made people, well, just teleported it from that far distant spot where consideration was so unlikely, the edge of the galaxy, and suddenly it's a bright star in the middle. I think this is... I think this is a spectacular card, not necessarily for power, but in terms of how it takes a card that was unpopular and makes it popular. Let's wait and see if it actually ends up popular. What I like about this is this this is basically inverse machete. So whereas with machete to get that consistent damage bonus, you want to be engaging enemies and you might pack something like taunt or anything to get you extra actions to pull enemies off people or maybe on the hunt to make sure an enemy is engaged with you. And in those moments when your fellow investigators would draw enemies, you would busily be pulling them off them so that you had them engaged with you and you could then start chopping them up. With blackjack in hand, you don't mind if any of your fellow investigators draw enemies because you've got this really powerful way of attacking them. So what I was picturing when I saw this card is that you could have a blackjack in one hand and a machete in the other. And whichever way the enemies end up, you've got a way of dealing with them. It's even giving a bigger combat boost than Machete gives. And one of the the risks around attacking enemies engaged with other people is completely nullified. I've noticed the more I've played recently that if I'm playing with a dedicated fighter in our group, I will normally trust them to take shots at enemies engaged with me without spending the actions to engage them. Because if we can get away with our guardian coming and punching rats that are engaged with me and not pulling the tentacle. We've saved an action and we're slowly leveraging our position so that we're stronger and stronger. This just allows that even more of the case. So you could play one action for machete, one action for blackjack, and then you're set up really for any eventuality. Of course, you could then end up in an awkward place where you draw two enemies and you have them both on you and you still need that other weapon that's not machete to start dealing with them or other ways of doing damage to knock them down. But that might mean you even have a situation where your seeker or your mystic, their last action, they engage an enemy off you and that turns on blackjack's damage bonus. It basically gives you another way of doing more damage and another way of getting a good combat boost. And I really like it. I really like it. I mean, I don't think I'll be running level zero blackjack anytime soon, but this is definitely suddenly in contention. For multiplayer. <laughs> Solo? No thank you. <laughs> okay, the next card is the first Seeker card. There's two of each. It's a nice and neat formulation. I think they're all level two as well. Maybe one or two level threes. So this is Preposterous Sketches level two. It's now zero cost rather than two cost. It's still got its two icons, which are willpower and intellect. It's insight traded, and it says, play only if there's a clue on your location, draw three cards. So I think the only thing that's changed is the cost has gone down by two. But I think that's quite significant because Preposterous Sketches Level 0 is a card and two resources to get three cards. And Preposterous Sketches Level 2 is a card and no resources to get three cards. So trading up three units of resource for three other units of resource. And in this instance, it's now trading one unit of resource for three, which is a good deal. And an action, obviously, to play it. It seems to me a quite logical stepping stone for the supreme card draw card cryptic research where you're spending the card but you're not even spending the action and you're getting three cards and you can give that to anyone at your location more or less at any time, which is just stellar. One card disappears, someone else suddenly has three more cards. You can't fault cryptic research. It's been in almost every Seeker deck I've upgraded into. I adore it. But I think that this could find a place in plenty of decks where maybe... Giving out the card draw isn't vital, and I know that people aren't as positive about card draw as I am, so for them, maybe they just want one card draw card and something like this could fill that spot. Anyway, I like it. This is probably the least flash card in the pack, but it's still super decent. Maybe in Roland, I can see this being a really good Roland card. Then we've got the new Strange Solution upgrade, so there's now one for each of the four traits. This is the intellect one, one cost, four XP, you can only include this asset in your deck by upgrading it from Strange Solution Unidentified and only if you've identified the solution in your campaign log. It uses three supplies and as an action you spend a supply and exhaust it. You choose an investigator at your location to gain two resources and draw one card. 
definitely on the face of it, not as flash as splashing acid in someone's face or freezing their joints with the freezing variant. This falls in a space that I've not seen many people play Seeker as, which is like the supreme support role. One thing I've not seen happen very much is have non-seekers in the group of players be the ones that are really driving the scenario forward. So that might be through killing enemies or leveraging their cards and resources in other ways to get clues, to advance, to push, to be the engine of progress. And that the seeker player in that instance would maybe contribute a few clues, but then otherwise be just helping other people. So that might be for someone like, say, Carolyn. I can see her in that role. She's patching up everyone else when everyone else is going crazy trying to complete a scenario. You could see that maybe with Min, where Min's very presence makes everyone else's cards committed more powerful, so it encourages card commitment. But you can only be committing those cards if you actually have the cards in hand, and you can only be playing the cards in hand if you have the resources, and that's where the Empowering Elixir is useful for pumping things up a little bit, for giving out the love to other people. If we ever see anyone who can do science-traded card actions actionlessly, maybe a free action on science cards, that would make First Aid and The Strange Solution incredibly potent, and maybe that's the reason why this card exhausts. I don't know. Anyway, that's the Seeker cards. They're probably, yeah, like I said with Preposterous Sketches, maybe the least Flash, but just rounding out this area of of Seeker, there's always then going to be this question of what kind of draw you want in Seeker and how you want to help your party. Next up is Contraband. This has gone from being a four-cost event to now being a three-cost event for two XP. It's got willpower and double intellect icons, so I think it's gained two intellect icons. I think it was just a willpower icon. It's supply and illicit traded. Flavor text, it may not be legal, but it gets the job done. Choose an asset controlled by an investigator at your location. Either choose one, place two ammo or supply tokens on that asset, and draw one card, or double the number of ammo or supply tokens on that asset. This one's a little bit of a head-scratcher to me. It reminds me of both level 2 emergency cash and level 3 emergency cash. For level 2, you're playing a card to get 3 resources and drawing a card. And in this one, you're spending 3 resources but getting 2 ammo or supply and drawing a card. It's maybe slightly less useful there. For level 3, obviously you can... Level 3 cash, you can put those tokens as supply tokens on things if you wanted to. So you could turn them into ammo using Venturer potentially, or refill your your flashlight. Supply tokens in Rogue are worth bearing in mind as well, because lockpicks is supply tokens, and they very rarely break, but there's nothing sadder than a broken lockpick that you can't refill in any way. Lockpicks are a reasonable investment at three resources. Obviously worth noting the illicit trait means that Finn can find this with smuggled goods, and obviously worth noting with the supply trait, this can be sitting on stick to the plan. It's nice that it's still got the double the number of ammo token ability of the original contraband, but it's added that to supply tokens as well. And as we've just seen with the empowering elixir, some of the supply tokens on the strange solutions are pretty potent. I think acidic icor more than anything. But whether we'd see a seeker level five, rogue level two investigator who could run contraband, I don't know. And if you're in multiplayer and have a party, would you really want your rogue investing 2 XP to double your strange solution acidic I-Core charges when maybe you've already got a guardian fighting anyway? Again, I don't know. But what this really screams to me is choice. And normally I'm pretty positive about choice cards because they normally pave the way for player agency and shenanigans. And I'm a big, big fan of shenanigans. So yeah, so I... I like Contraband. I mean, I've been playing Contraband level zero in Leo and doubling the ammo on the bar. And suddenly with 16 ammo on the bar, you're feeling really nice. Or what I've been doing is using Venturer first to get it up to 11 ammo and then doubling it up to 22. And that might sound outrageous. How can how can I possibly have the time to do it? But try it in Leo. It's really easy to do. It takes you about, well, with, with tapping Venturer three times, it takes you three turns. And that's it. And then boom, you're done. You've got all these things ready sitting on stick to the plan anyway, so you don't need to find them. And in the three turns that you've been topping up the bar, you've essentially accumulated the resources you need for contraband. It's, it's lovely. Top, top quality. I have just been playing Leo early today, which is why I'm so full of Leo love. The next 
card is the second rogue card. And to be honest with you, this card title seems to me like it could make a really, really good live play series. Because the card is Think on Your Feet. And when you're playing live, you're sort of, um, I'd say that you're trying to be on your toes and sort of make decisions in the spur of the moment. So yeah, if anyone thinks about making a live play series, they should think about that as a title. It's zero cost event now, so it's dropped in, in cost. It's up to two XP. It's gained an agility icon, so it's an intellect and double agility. It's fast, and it says play when an enemy enters your location, not play when an enemy would spawn at your location. Immediately move to a connecting location, the enemy still enters your previous location. Original think on your feet, if an enemy spawns at your location, you play it and you dodge away. This think on your feet, even if an enemy is just moving to hunt into your location, you bounce away. Someone like Finn might really like this if you've hit caught red-handed and all of those hunter enemies that you've left in your wake suddenly get a chance to catch up with you. You just bounce further on. If Rita can take this, which we think she will be able to take, she might really like this as well. She's used her evade to move away from an enemy and kept ahead of it. And then for whatever reason, she's hit a location that maybe stops her from moving or something like that. As long as it doesn't say you can't leave this location until the end of the round, she could play this and the hunter enemy that's chasing her doesn't actually catch up. She buys a little bit more time. It obviously requires you to have somewhere to move to, so it's less useful for small maps or very linear maps. But most rogue players worth their salt will know their maps and will try and keep their mobility up so that they've always gotten out. So yeah, I like it. I think it's really cool, really good. What you want to see from XP investments is that the card grows in versatility and utility, and I think this has done that. There are plenty of people who probably don't run Think on Your Feet. It's slightly less good, I'd say, in multiplayer, because you're then normally leaving an enemy for someone else to deal with, and that might still be the case for this one. You know, who wants to run off and leave people behind? But it's it's nice tech. It's a pseudo-dodge without the engagement, without having to lead, deal with the enemy after that which is nice. And then more onto the Mystic cards. I was not expecting Rite of Seeking level 2, so a downgrade from the level 4 version, an upgrade from the level 0 version. The cost is the same as the level 0 4, and it still has an intellect icon, which is the same as the level 0 version. Spell traded, the same number of charges, 3, takes up the arcane slot, and the only difference in the text is that you get plus 2 willpower for this test. So spend a charge, investigate, investigating using willpower instead of intellect, you get plus two willpower for this test. If you succeed, you discover one additional clue. It's two additional clues for the higher version. And if any of the special symbols are revealed during this test, after the test resolves, lose all remaining actions and immediately end your turn. I mean, that's a horrible effect. If only there were some card where you could ignore the effect of the special symbols on a mystic card when you draw them, like cancel them or maybe do it twice. That would be a really cool card. Why have they not made that? Yeah, otherwise I think this is a, just a lovely step and I think this feeds into any mystic playing Arcane Research. If you haven't played Arcane Research yet, definitely give it a go. I would say it's better to try it in multiplayer than true solo, but the potency it gives you to your deck is fantastic. So say you're playing that all-rounder third character mystic in a party of three or four you've got right of seeking in your deck for clues you've got shriveling in your deck for fighting and after the first scenario you've already gotten up a, a free bit of experience to spend on upgrading a spell and what you want is enough options for those upgrades so the first time around you go from shriveling zero to shriveling three and it only costs you two or one xp depending on how much arcane research you have Similarly, this upgrade would cost you nothing if you had two Arcane Research, and then upgrading from this card to the level 4 would also cost you no XP, which is incredible. The Arcane Research ruling, if you didn't hear about it, was that Arcane Research can reduce the cost of the upgrade to zero. Normally we thought that upgrading a card you always at least pay one, but Arcane Research says no, you don't have to do that. So having enough cards in your deck. Essentially, after four scenarios, you can have gone from Right of Seeking 0 to Right of Seeking 4 with both copies, having invested nothing, and you just spend your XP on other things. Kind of crazy, right? Like, that's insane that you're getting two 4 XP cards after four scenarios for nothing. I say nothing to mental trauma. If only there were a way to heal horror like Clarity of Mind 
Level 3. Okay, yeah, there is some level 3 cards. This now has two willpower icons. It uses four charges, which I think means it's gained a charge. It's definitely the same cost. And it has action, spend a charge, heal two horror from among investigators at your location. Takes up the arcane slot. Lovely little poem here. From the unreal, lead me to the real. From the darkness, lead me to the light. From the dead, lead me to the immortal. It's a shame that this can't bring you back if you've been defeated by horror. That would be a cool twist, but maybe the level 5 clarity of mind can do that. Essentially, this has gained a charge, gained an icon, and now when you spend the charge, you heal 2 horror, but you have a choice because it's among investigators at your location. Potentially, Carolyn really likes this because you can give out the healing as and when you need it, and you can give it out piecemeal or in lumps. That, to my mind, is delightful. It's nice to have flexibility. The other person that we know now is coming up is Marie Lambeau, who gets free actions to play or use or activate spells once she has Doom on cards in play. And that takes a card like Clarity of Mind that I think is slow and removes some of the slowness, which is great. Really good, in fact. Imagine over the course of a series of turns, if you could heal eight horror from your party and you'd only invested the action to play the card. The other thing as well, my point about arcane research, if you take two of the level zero clarity of mind, it's going to cost you two XP and two scenarios to get two of the level three version in your deck. Kind of bananas, right? So that's like a hefty amount of horror healing in your deck without too much of a commitment. Just one glug of the Clarity of Mind soothing tonic mind bolt gets rid of your mental trauma for the scenario that you're in. Obviously, you can't get rid of trauma apart from visiting the hospital after Threads of Fate. But otherwise, yes, you take one shot of that and you're back to full. And then you've got three hits left to give out to people or whatever else it is. Yeah, what what's getting me excited is, again, the flexibility, the, the utility. And then we're over to Survivor. The first survivor card is Oops, level 2. It's still 2 cost. It's now got double combat icons and an agility icon, so it's gained an agility icon. It's fortune traded. It says fast, play after you fail a skill test by 3 or less while attacking an enemy. Used to be by 2 or less. Deal this attack's damage to any enemy at your location. So it's done the Aquina thing where now it can go back to the original enemy. If the attacked enemy is engaged with another investigator, this attack deals no damage to that investigator. I think that second clause is new. In fact, I did just go and look at the original card. The original one, you had to be engaged with the enemy that you wanted to play this on, which rather limited the situations within which you could play it. So now you can be attacking someone engaged with someone else, maybe with your blackjack, which anyway wouldn't hurt them, but miss and then do damage to the enemy engaged with you, or some other weird combination of that, or essentially just be taking punts at people and still doing the damage even if you miss. I really love it. I think it's really good. The The fail by three or less is a really nice step up for one Calvin Wright, because sometimes your stats are all over the place. So early in a scenario, if you have a couple of these in hand, you can be attacking enemies, and as long as you can get sort of within spitting distance of succeeding, you can continue dealing the damage. Or if it's just a three-fight enemy, you're going to finish your score on zero, so you'll be within three or less. Kind of nice. Or if it's a big beefy guy, and it's later in the scenario, and you've maybe taken three or four damage, but you've not got huge boosts or something like that. Still good. Yeah. Like Blackjack, which I just alluded to, like Clarity of Mind, it's opening up the design space around the card, it's giving it more options, it's making us reassess how that might fit in to a deck. Oops, I think it's a fairly rarely played card. Be lovely to see it in more decks. And then finally, or nearly finally, we have Rise to the Occasion. This is another level 3 card, so there were two level 3 cards. It's now only got two wild icons, which is... I think one of the rare occasions of a card getting an upgrade and losing an icon. Let's find out why. This is innate traded. Commit only to a skill test you're performing and only if the difficulty of that test is higher than your base skill value. Original rise to the occasion was too higher. This is just higher. Rise to the occasion gets plus X wild icons. 
where x is the difference between your base skill and this test's difficulty to a maximum of plus three wild icons. Important, of course, whenever we see base skill, we remember Calvin has zeros across the board, even with damage and horror galore. Our dear friend Preston, who's coming up soon, has ones across the board, which are also pretty dismal. I'm not sure whether he can take Survivor level three. We'll have to find out. Anyway, so this, if you're, you have to commit this to a test that you're lower on, and if you're only one lower, this would still be three wild, because your base skill, if you're only one lower, is one lower, and that would get you the third wild icon back on the card. So at that point, three versus four, you commit this card, gives you plus two to five versus four, and another one six versus four, which then means you're two up, which is nice. Or if you were two versus four, you'd go to four versus four, and you'd get another two wild icons because you were two below, and you're two up. I think it always means you're two up, I'm just trying to think of an occasion when that's not the case. If your stat is 0 versus 3, 2, and then you get another 3, you're 2 up. Yeah, good maths work. The person who can really exploit it is, of course, Calvin, because Calvin's stat might be 5, but his base stat will remain 0. So you commit this card for, say it's a difficulty 4 test, you're getting 4 icons then but you're already one over the test, so that makes you five over the test. So Calvin interacts with it in a slightly different way. But otherwise, I still think it's strong. I think the fact that the threshold has gone down by one and you can commit the card and be two over is really nice. I think it's worth bearing in mind that Survivor don't have anything above three XP. I know I've banged on about that before, but in a party where everyone else is raking in the XP... Doing something like having cards that will always make you two over in a test in your deck is decent. Just just upgrading those sort of core abilities. And it could probably take the place of an unexpected courage, maybe, as long as you're happy to be taking tests below the threshold. So, yeah. Or maybe just take the place of another card, you know. Find, find a way in. Then there's also a new basic weakness, which is a two of. And I wanted to mention it because it's packed and mystery traded. It's called Through the Gates. It's a treachery. Revelation, draw the top card of your deck. Oh, it's Rise to the Occasion level 3. If it's not a weakness, remove that card from the game. Horrible. Then search your deck, discard pile, hand, and all play areas for each other copy of that card you own, and remove them from the game as well. There's a little kicker comma there from the game as well. You flip the top card of your deck, and it's Dr. Milan. And your other Dr. Milan, who you've just paid four for, is suddenly being removed from the game. Like, blink. The horrible thing about this weakness is it doesn't even remove itself from the game. So if you can get through your deck multiple times, the likelihood of hitting this grows and grows as your deck gets smaller and smaller. Because it's slowly cherry-picking all of your key cards just by complete fluke. And you can't understand how it seems to know to find Leo DeLuca or that lightning gun or whatever else. Weirdly, I think this might encourage people to play more one-offs because their situational or sort of flex key cards can't then get sniped. You could have your single machete down in play or your single time-worn brand and you know that if you hit your weakness, it's not going to be able to hit the other one in your deck and wipe out your, your key weapon or your key ally. So we, we might see as a result people being a little bit more relaxed about running more singletons in their deck on the off chance they get this weakness. Or what we might see is people's later decks, the higher XP, evolve slightly different where they sacrifice consistency for a bit of protection against this weakness if they have it. I think it's a, a really fascinatingly designed card because it really encourages players to think carefully about their weakness and respond to it as their deck upgrades. That's what I want out of my weakness is for it to challenge me to play differently and to challenge me to think about what I'm doing. That might be for something like chronophobia, not drawing when I won't have a couple of spare actions. But that to me is the least interesting basic weakness. Even paranoia or amnesia, I'd say, are more interesting because of how they encourage you to upgrade your deck to respond to that deficiency. And then through the gates, similarly, it's a it's another factor of complication in your deck building and your deck upgrading process which i really like so that's the end of my second look at the return to the dunwich legacy player cards a really juicy bunch a really nice mixture there 
I'm very much looking forward to trying some of them and I'll definitely be trying all of them. I hope my takes, if they were even stale, weren't at least mouldy and that there's something that maybe you hadn't thought of there or something you had thought of and you think, yeah, I'm on the right track with this one. Either way, you know how to get in touch with us. I hope you enjoyed this. Go check out the other All Yellow All The Time entries because they're all fascinating and speak to you soon. Bye.